It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, more Trey rumors, Hawks Heat preview, and what my gut tells me. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they are available. Give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So more Trey rumors about what could or possibly happen and things like that. So Kevin O'Connor had an article in The Ringer yesterday. So talking about the headline is the Hawks have changed everything except Trey Young. Let me read you his quote. Okay. This is quote from the article quote with the off season approaching league sources say the Hawks front office has the green light from ownership to do whatever it wants with the roster which includes considering trade options involving all-star point guard Trey Young. Okay, Uh, let me read you another quote in this article because we'll get it all out of the way and then we'll respond to everything. Quote, league sources say during the months of negotiations in the lead-up to his February hiring, Snyder demanded and now wields significant influence over personnel decisions. Though Atlanta's front office dynamic is described as a collaborative effort, remember those words? Uh, Many high-level decision makers from opposing teams believe it's now Snyder who has the final say. Okay, so let's address that part of it first, okay? Do I personally think that Quinn Snyder is going to have a big influence on the roster? Yes, and that's because that's the thing that he did not get in Utah, and that's the thing everybody has pointed to about the idea of, hey, you know, Snyder wants to be involved in personnel and making decisions and things like that. Now, I asked Lauren Williams, who covers the Atlanta Hawks. He, she's the beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I had her on my radio show last night, and I asked her the question about whether or not you think that Quinn Snyder is going to get a new title or some kind of promotion or whatever like that, where he is officially in charge of the roster. She did not think so. Now, remember, Landry Fields is the GM and he's the president of basketball operations. So he's got that same title, that same two titles that Travis Schlenk had at one time. And then obviously Kyle Korver is the assistant GM for the club. So. While Quinn Snyder said, well, I'm I'm here to coach and things like that, we know that part of the reason why he's no, no longer in Utah is just the fact that he did not have any say or influence in personnel decisions, and that was a big thing to him. Even though he had almost a 600 winning percentage with the Utah Jazz, 
<laughs> the fact is he did not have any say in the personnel of all this. And again, you don't come in three quarters of the way through the season just so you can evaluate some players and sit on the bench and coach. He's going to have a big influence on all of this. So I don't know if he is going to get the title or not, president of basketball operations or anything like that. Fields will be the general manager. Corville will stay the assistant general manager. But that whole basketball of president of basketball operations will be the interesting thing. Now, as far as the Trey part goes, okay, look, when you read articles like this, okay, you kind of have to sort out what could be true from what is true from what is just made up nonsense and things like that, right? We've talked about some of these articles that, and again, I, I do think that these people, before they're going to print, are getting sources that they think are accurate or credible or have some influence or sway in everything, right? I mean, I don't think that a Kevin O'Connor is just putting stuff on a wall and hoping it sticks and hoping that nobody checks up on him and says anything. Now, obviously, we're not knowing who the sources are and things like that. Nobody is speaking on the record. Now, personally, do I think that the Hawks are going to move on from Trey Young? Not a chance. I, I think Trey is the one player that will be here no matter what. However, though, I do think everybody else on the roster is up for trade. If the Hawks could find a package that gets them a star and it includes A.J. Griffin or Jalen Johnson, they'll move those guys. If a trade package comes along where they can move on from Capella, slide a Congo into the starting role, they'll make that trade package. If John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, even Bogey, I think that Trey Young is the one player that when all is said and done and the dust settles and the smoke clears and everything like that, he will be an Atlanta Hawk. But I would tell you that I could I could not guarantee you that there is any other player on this roster from A.J. Griffin to Jalen Johnson to anybody in between, to Capella, Collins, Hunter, Bogey, anybody, that if the right deal didn't come along, that nobody would be off limits to move, I think, besides Trey Young. And part of that is, the reason I think that Trey Young will be here is part of it is what are you getting back in return? If you're going to have a super max player be traded off your roster, you've got to get heavy star caliber players back in return. So that's why I think that the idea of the right deal won't come along for Trey Young. But next year, at the end of next season, if this thing is still floundering around, Okay, then there could be more discussions and all this kind of stuff. But for now, I don't think there's any reason to think that Trey Young is going anywhere. I mean, from for this offseason period, I think he's the one guy that you can guarantee that will be here. But with everybody else on the roster, because something has to change, right? Something has to give with this roster. You can't just trot all the same guys out there okay, and say, well, we're still young and things like that, and then nobody improved year over year, right? We talked about that yesterday. Did anybody improve? I mean, if you want to say a Kongu or Jalen Johnson, okay, Jalen Johnson's 14 minutes a night. How Again, that's not a guy who's going to win you a bunch of games. You got to either, I mean, if Trey's young and Collins is young and Murray's young and, and Hunter's young, okay, well, those are the guys that have to improve the greatest because they're your starters. They're the guys you rely on. They're the guys that are playing 35 minutes a night. 
right? So, I mean, that's the guys that have to improve, not just your, your eighth guy off the bench. That can't be the guy that showed the most improvement. It has to be those guys. And if this season goes along, you're, you know, again, as we close things out this year and we head toward next year, you can't just roll the same guys back, right? We've seen for two years now, you know, the Hawks, by and large, brought everybody back from that team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then you added DeJounte Murray into the mix and you didn't get any other results. And they've not capitalized on anything from that season. So you can't just roll the same guys out there and hope for the best and hope that just Quinn Snyder by himself can fix everything. Because as we've seen, look, Snyder was 10 and 11 with this team. Well, he didn't have a chance to put everything in. Okay, but he still was 10 and 11. There should have been some kind of bump or boost or whatever like that. We saw with Brent Key. You know, Tech wasn't a very good roster in football, and, and Georgia Tech found a way to go to Pitt and win, go to Duke. And, I mean, you know, Duke at home win. Okay, they finished good down the stretch, a lot better than they were under Jeff Collins. So you didn't even get kind of like this arbitrary bump or boost or anything like that. So I don't think Trey is going anywhere. I don't think that there's any momentum. But do I think that everybody else is in play? Yes, with the right deal, everybody else is in play. And I don't think Quinn Snyder took, you know, took this job without having a definite say and influence in what this roster is going to look like. If it's more than anybody who, you know, if Quinn has the final say, I don't have a problem with that. Because again, right, as Tony Ressler said, we're collaborative, we're communicative, right? We're all these ifs. We're all these ifs right now. How about if we just start winning? How about if we get more ING instead of IVEs and we start to find some ways to win some basketball games? All right, let's talk about our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book and new customers. When you go to FanDuel.com and sign up today, you can claim your no sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You can download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. They allow you to bet on everything from money lines to point scores to prop bets and everything in between. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So head to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and sign up and claim your no sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel.com slash locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So looking at tonight's game, Hawks and Heat, okay? So here's the numbers, just the cursory numbers about what's gone on over last year in the regular season, the playoff round, right? Round one of the playoffs 
and then this year. Hawks are three and ten over the past two years against the Miami Heat. They've lost seven straight in Miami. Now, why is that? Because Miami beats up Trey Young and they get physical with him. Here's the numbers from Trey Young against Miami this year. Just take this season alone. He shot 35.6% from the field, 20.8% from three. And he was even only 86.5% from the free throw line. He averaged 19.8 points per game, 3.3 rebounds, and 9.8 assists. So you look and say, well, 20 and 10, okay, but he obviously did not shoot the basketball very well at all. And while the Hawks only allow 116 points a game to Miami, which is two below their season average that they let up, they're also four points, almost five points a game less offensively. Miami is a really good defensive team, but they know the formula about how to handle the Hawks. And this goes to something that I know a lot of people and a lot of you have all talked about, the fact that the Hawks are too finesse. The Hawks are not physical enough. And and I understand that, and, and I get some of that. You know, I, I, I can understand that, that the Hawks have too many finesse players, and they allow Miami to beat them up and get physical and bang them up. And, you know, for lack of a better way of, of describing it, the Miami Heat play bully ball with Trey Young, right? So you can say 20 and 10, okay, but – when you're not shooting that when, when you're only 20% from three, which is what Trey Young's job really is. And you're only 35% from the field. You're hucking up a lot of shots just to get to that 20 points. Right. And even with 85% free throw percentage, you look that that's below his average. So what has to happen tonight? Okay. Number one, the heat have consistently out rebounded the Atlanta Hawks in their four games. Okay. The Hawks have to find a way to kind of turn that momentum in their favor. At least play even with Miami on the rebounding edge, okay? And the Hawks are one of the better rebounding teams in the NBA. I believe that they finished ninth in the NBA in rebounding. So it's not like the Hawks are deficient. And obviously, Capella is a good rim protector, but he's a very, very good rebounder, okay? But they're going to have to rebound the basketball. This is going to fall to John Collins, Capella, Okongwu, right? Those guys are going to have to rebound the basketball and at least stay pace with the Miami Heat because they've consistently been out-rebounded by Miami. So that's one of the things that has to happen. And then the second part is, and it's a very simple thing, okay, in theory and in, you know, practicality about what has to happen. Trey Young has to have a big-time shooting night. You know, if if Trey Young can say that the regular season doesn't matter and things like that, well, this ain't the regular season anymore. You know, while it may not be the NBA playoffs and this Fakakta system of how you get to the playoffs, this is the postseason now. You know, you've got one game to let it all hang out against Miami because if you win, then you move on to Saturday and play the Boston uh, Boston Celtics. But if you lose, then you got to turn around and play on Friday night against Toronto-Chicago winner in that game. And then if you win that game, you'll get the Milwaukee Bucks coming up on Sunday. So I think the two big things to watch is, because the Hawks have shot, by the way, too. The Hawks have shot almost 51% from the field against the Miami Heat. 
and they're shooting a little bit less than what their field goal percentage from three has been like 33%. But Trey in particular has not shot the ball well. And we saw it last year. You know, the glaring thing in the playoffs last year was just how physical Miami was. And I know that there is no more P.J. Tucker and some things like that. But again, they still have a lot of pieces and parts. The the heroes and obviously Jimmy Butler and players like that. And, And look, Jimmy Butler pretty much came out and said that, you know, he's guaranteeing a win coming up tomorrow, or I should say tonight. He was he was saying that yesterday, that he was going to guarantee a win tonight, right? So the Hawks have to play well on the rebounding end of things. They have to get Trey off shooting the basketball well, and they've got to get off to a good start. The first, you know, four, six minutes of this game could say a lot because I think Miami, who they're feeling like that they obviously they went from the number one seed in the Eastern conference last year to now they're sitting at the number seven seed and being forced to play in a play-in game. There is a little bit of that chip on Miami's shoulder about what this particular season was. So I think Miami is going to come out fired up. They're going to be in front of their home crowd. I know, you know, the rep in Miami is that it's, you know, late arriving crowd and things like that, but You've got to be able to weather the storm early. So rebounding is going to be a big factor in this thing. Trey shooting the ball effectively. Even if he doesn't have the high volume of shots, he's got to be effective when he shoots. He can't be 20% from three. He's got to be able to make some of those threes when he gets the opportunity, even if it's not a whole ton of them. Because again, if if, if he's not shooting it at all, He's going to be, you know, he's going to be forcing it up. And I think he's going to get in that mindset of, hey, I've got to go win this thing. And that has not worked out for the Atlanta Hawks at all. So we'll see what happens. I think Miami wins the game tonight. Um, The spread is five and a half. If you like those sorts of things, I think Miami wins the game and the Hawks go play the winner on Friday at State Farm against the Bulls and Raptors and everything. So we'll see what happens, but it would be a big win if they can figure out a way to go on the road, having lost seven in a row and three and 10 in their last 13 against Miami. All right, after you make Hitting Hard with John Chuck, your first listen, make sure you make Locked On Sports today your second listen. Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on Odyssey, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get all of your podcasts from. So as I'm looking at the draft and we are what we are on Thursday, we will be two weeks away from the Falcons NFL draft, right? I'm looking at all these different players and I'm looking at all these different mocks and I'm reading different things and I'm watching some tape on some guys and some different things and prepping and getting ready and all that kind of stuff. What does my gut tell me? Okay. Forget what I want to happen. Okay, forget all of that kind of stuff. You know, we'll do our mock draft based upon what I want in the you know days leading up to the draft. But what does my gut tell me? My gut tells me at number eight, and I think that's where the Falcons will pick. Okay, my gut tells me that the Falcons will pick at eight, and they will take a cornerback. And if Christian Gonzalez is there, I think that will be their number one pick. I, I think that's the guy that they look at. If he's not there, I think it could be Devin Witherspoon. My best guesstimate on this would be Gonzalez or Witherspoon 
at the number eight pick. Now, is that what I want? No. Okay. And again, I understand, and we talked about this last week on the show, that I do prioritize cornerback as my number two, you know, thing to prioritize in the draft. But I think that the cornerback class is deep enough that you don't have to get a guy at eight. There's still good value when you get into the second second round of the draft. I just want that edge player because, again, you have to be able to sack the quarterback in today's NFL. You know, again, you can get away without a great secondary. See the San Francisco 49ers if you can sack the quarterback, if you can put up 48 sacks. And that's what the 49ers do. They don't have a, a great secondary. They have some players in their secondary, but they are not regarded as one of the better secondaries in the NFL. But what can they do? They can sack the quarterback and put lots of pressure on. And why'd they give Javon Hargrave $84 million? Because you can't have too many guys that sack the quarterback. So, but my gut is telling me that when we're talking about best player available and things like that, that if Gonzalez is sitting there, he's rated as the number one corner in the draft by most pundits and experts and things like that. It is a position of need. You know, again, even if you're going to keep Casey Hayward, you want to be able to develop a young guy. You know, maybe they don't, you know, if they if they draft a Christian Gonzalez, maybe you don't trot him out there right away on the opposite side of A.J. Terrell. You put Hayward on the outside and you let Christian Gonzalez work his way into nickel and dime packages and be a slot guy or whatever to get acclimated to the NFL, right? The, the Falcons have been hesitant about, overplaying their rookies, no matter where they're drafted, right? I mean, they, they've been hesitant about overplaying their rookies. We've seen that on the defensive side of the football where Richie Grant was second-round pick, didn't play a whole lot his rookie year. Even Ebba Cady only had the one start. So my gut tells me that the Atlanta Falcons are going to select corner at the number eight pick. And then from there, I, I don't I don't really know. I mean, I, I would tell you that offensive line is certainly in play. Maybe edge because they, they need another edge guy. But I don't know once you get into the second round, if many of the edge players are going to fall. Maybe a B.J. Ojolari, if he falls to the second round, that could be a pick at, at 44. I definitely think that the Falcons will look high as far as drafting offensive line because – whether it's center, guard, tackle, things like that, uh, you know, again, I, 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 I could see them prioritizing something like that. You know, whether inside or outside or a guy who can play a combination of both and things like that. That's why I wouldn't mind a Paris Johnson in the first round of the draft. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as the week goes on, but w- wouldn't mind having him. But for right now, what my gut is telling me, that corner is going to be the play. And obviously, they're investing massive money in their secondary, right? A.J. Terrell's a first-round pick. If they select corner, they've got another first-round pick. Casey Hayward is still under contract. Jesse Bates is getting $14 million a year to play safety. So they're investing a lot in their secondary. I, I would like to have seen them invest a little bit more in their front personnel and things like that. And accumulate more guys there. But again, they have added some pieces and, and things like that. So for right now, I think Gonzalez or Witherspoon is the pick for the Atlanta Falcons. And I do think that they stay at number eight. I, I think it's more likely that 
if they don't select, if Jalen Carter dropped to them and they wouldn't select him, then the Bears could be in play to trade at, at the number nine spot. But I don't think the Falcons are moving way up in the draft. I don't think they're going to find a trade partner to move way back down in the draft. Because if the quarterbacks are all gone, that's the only reason why you trade up five, six, seven, eight spots is to go get your quarterback. If those guys are off the board, and maybe it will be better for the Atlanta Falcons if their quarterbacks aren't all taken in those first seven picks. But then again, if the quarterbacks aren't all taken, then you may lose out on the top one or two corners. So again, I think the Colts are, I think the Colts at number four is the start of the draft. Based upon what the Colts do, that's going to be how the draft is dictated because we think the quarterbacks are going one and two. Will Anderson is probably the third pick if Arizona decides to stay there. But where the Colts select, either they pick it for, draft a quarterback, or maybe they trade out of it, that's where the draft itself starts. But right now, my gut tells me that Christian Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon is the pick. I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's edge. And again, that's where my priority lies. But certainly corner is one of those positions that is of need. And the Falcons, I think, want to get their guy to play on the other side of A.J. Terrell. All right, we thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen. Make sure you make Locked On Sports today your second listen. The biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on Odyssey, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast from. We ask you to subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. And we thank you so much for getting us up over the 6,100 mark on our YouTube page as far as subscribers go. So you can also follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We'll be back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.